Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. How is everyone? Good. If you would turn with me in your Bibles or you can read it up on the screen, I'm going to read out of Luke chapter 1 this morning. The story that we're going to look at is the biblical account of two mothers on this Mother's Day. And we're beginning a series here at Life Tree called Sons and Daughters, which is going to be all about discipleship. And so I want to look at the lives of these two mothers and really see a picture of discipleship in their lives. We'll start Luke chapter 1, verse 39. We're just going to read a short part of this passage. It says, A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 42, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Mary, And then um, verse 56, skip ahead a little bit. It says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. Would you pray with me for just a moment? Lord, we thank you so much that your bio, that your, the Bible, your word, really shows us a picture of what it looks like to live life together, to walk together, to learn together, to grow together, to become sons and daughters together. And I simply ask, Father, this morning that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I didn't think it would make sense on Mother's Day to not tell you a little bit about my mom. Actually, the two, there are two women who really formed a lot of who I am in my life. One is my mom and one is my grandmother. My sister Marissa is here too, so she can validate any stories I might tell that they are actually true. Uh, my mom's name was Kathy, and this 4th of July, I believe it will be nine years since she went to heaven. But she taught us a whole lot. She, um, I really was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, I really never knew my mom when she was without worry or hardship. Most of our lives were kind of tough when I was a kid. But my mom was one of the most faithful people you could have ever met in your entire life. And really the word that I think exemplifies who my mom was is actually the word resilient. I don't know if you're familiar with that word. But the word resilient means able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions. That was my mom. Life handed her a lot of things, but she just kept going. Is this, does this sound weird? Do I need to switch? Okay, it just sounds weird to me. Sorry. When, my, when we were 10, when I was 10, my dad passed away and left us broker than broke. We had nothing, and my mom just kept on going. She, she worked hard. And really, I was, I, was, I was preparing this message. I started to think about my mom. And I can remember being a young adult who'd already had, I was married with a child, and my mom came to visit us one day, and she had like a cute, spiffy-looking outfit on. I was like, whoa, mom. And it came, I realized that my mom had worn the same clothes my entire life. Like, I don't remember my mom getting a new outfit, ever. 
And, you know, when we're kids, we don't realize that that's because she's giving everything to you. She's making sure you have what you need. And I remember being an adult and seeing my mom in, like, capris that were cute, little jean capris at the shore. And I was like, oh, my goodness, my mom is cute and stylish. I never thought of her that way. We have family pictures that are, like, five or six years apart. My mom's in the same outfit in both pictures because she just gave everything she had to us. She worked hard, and everything she did was for us. Sometimes things were great. Sometimes things weren't so great. But you know that phrase that's kind of popular now? It's nevertheless she persisted. It's kind of attached to the feminist movement a little bit. But that was my mom. It didn't really matter what happened, what happened to her, what came at her. She kept going. And I just wanted to honor her this morning by, by just telling you a couple things about her. She raised all three of us, my sister Marissa, Myself and my brother, our brother Matthew, she raised us in church. She worked for the church. If the church doors were open, we were there. Now, I know that's not a very popular and common thing these days, but we lived about 30 minutes from the church. And so my mom worked in the church, and on Wednesdays, she would work all day. We would get something to eat in between and stay for church Wednesday night. We were just always there. I can vividly remember. I have no idea what age I was, but I can remember watching my mom write out a tithe check. Somehow in my child brain, I knew that we didn't have a lot of money and what she was writing on there seemed to be a lot of money. But she was giving it back to God because she believed that if she trusted God with her finances, he would take care of her and take care of us. And he always did. So without ever saying a word, my mom taught us to trust God without teaching us about tithing. I mean, if we got birthday money, she wasn't like, you better put a dollar in the offering. She didn't do it that way. She just did it by living her life. You know, I think that my mom, looking back, was kind of depressed at times. I think she probably felt lonely. She did without a whole lot. But she gave us everything that she had to give. And I think the biggest thing she gave us, my sister, my brother, we all have this resilient bounce back. It's going to be okay. It's hard right now, but we're going to make it kind of thing on the deep, deep inside parts of us. And I believe that's because that's something our mom Put in us. We watched her get knocked down. We watched it be hard. We watched things not work out right. And we watched her keep on going and keep moving and keep pressing and keep providing and keep making it and keep trusting God no matter what it looked like. And the testimony of that life is that here we are, all three of us, and we all love Jesus today. Now, there's another woman I was raised by. This is my mom's mom. Her name is Betty. She's in a nursing home in Medford today. She had a stroke about six years ago. We went to visit her at Christmas time. And, you know, there are pieces of her that are gone, but there were these little sparks of her that would come out that were still there. My grandma would say anything she wanted to say, anytime she wanted to say it. I've often referred to her in the most loving way I could possibly do, and she was and is a tough old broad. Now, you might think I sound disrespectful, but she would wear that title as a badge of honor if you knew her. My grandmother had season tickets to the Phillies. My grandmother lived the life she wanted to lead, 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 lead. I got it out. It's going to be okay. All of high school, most of high school, I, I wanted to be an attorney. I think that my desire to be an attorney was largely impressed on me by watching L.A. Law. I don't know if any of you remember that TV show. But I think what I thought was if you had a loud mouth and you talked a lot, which that was me, um, Perhaps you could be an attorney, and that would mean that I got to wear beautiful suits, wear fancy heels that click, clack, click, clack, click, clacked down the hall when I walked, and maybe drive a Jaguar. 
So I went around telling everybody I wanted to be an attorney. Um, I thought my big mouth might make me some money. And so my grandmother was kind of proud of the fact that, I, now Lisa, that's probably not what attorneys really do, right? But, you know, I was like 15. That's what I thought. <laughs> I watched too much TV. What could I say? <laughs> but I remember I went, I went on the invitation of Dave Greco to summer camp, New Jersey District Youth Camp, and got called into the ministry at an altar there. Very clearly, God said, go to Valley Forge, major in youth ministry. And I can remember telling my grandma where I was going to go to school and what I was going to do. And my grandma said, why in the heck would you want to do that, Kara? But she didn't say heck, because it just made no sense whatsoever to her. And and she never really got it. My grandma, um, my grandmother was Catholic. My mom was raised Catholic. She, when she would come to our church similar to this one, she never took her coat off. She sat with her purse in her lap like she was ready to sprint out of that joint at any moment. If it got a little weird, she was gone. Okay? So it never really made a lot of sense to her. But I can tell you that the day I graduated from college, my grandma was there with a big smile on her face. And I never once in my life, I I can remember hearing girls say, if I ever got in this kind of trouble, my parents would never forgive me. My blah, blah, blah. My family would disown me. But you know what I always knew? I knew that no matter what, if my mom was upset with me, I knew that I could go to my tough old broad of a grandma and she would love me through anything. She might yell at me if I took a chocolate chip cookie without asking, but she would love me no matter what. You know, she, she was a special person. And when you go to visit her today, she might still say something like, what in the heck would you want to do that for? Through her stroke and all that, she's still there. I was raised by some strong women. Strong to me, I don't know if they'd call themselves strong. I know as a mom today, sometimes I don't always feel very strong. But I was raised to be resilient. And I was raised to love my family. And this morning, we're just going to look at two ladies who were family. And they really give us this awesome picture. And I'm going to be very, very short. I'm going to try really hard. Because it's Mother's Day, and you guys want to go have brunch and stuff. I want to have brunch. But just to give you a backup on this story about these ladies, Mary and Elizabeth, there's Elizabeth is married to a man named Zechariah. He's a priest. He has an important job, and the Bible, in the earlier part of Luke chapter 1, the Bible calls them righteous, that they were careful to obey God's commands. And listen, they had gotten up in age. Now, some things, some scholarly books tell you they were around 60. Some tell you she was 88 and he was 99. It just depends where you look. But they were on the older end of getting ready to have a baby. They hadn't had one yet, and they were sad about that. They were beyond the normal age to have a first child. But one day while Zechariah is doing his normal temple duty, it's his job that day to go into the sanctuary, to burn stuff at the altar. And when he goes into that part of the the temple and the sanctuary, he's in there by himself. But there are people outside around kind of waiting. And he goes in and he's kind of taking a long time. People are like, is he coming out yet? What is he doing in there? Having some kind of private party? I don't know. But while he's in the temple, in the sanctuary of the temple by himself, lighting the incense, an angel shows up. Anybody in here ever had an angel just show up? I haven't. So he got a little scared. The angel is so funny. The angel says, don't be afraid. No need to be afraid. God has heard your prayers. I wonder if they were still praying for a baby at that age. I don't know. But this is when the angel shows up and says, Zechariah, it's okay. God's heard your prayers. A baby's coming your way, but here's the thing. Here's his name. Now, in that time, 
a firstborn son would have naturally been named after the father. So, you know, Zechariah would have been waiting to have a son so he could have little Zechariah. But the angel says, no, no, here's the thing. You need to name him John. He's going to be really important. Zechariah basically says to the angel, now, this guy, he's like a little bit bolder than I would be. Because I'm saying if an angel shows up to me and says, here's what's going to happen, you do this, God's heard your prayers, I'd be like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Zechariah says, but hold on. Hold on. How in the world am I supposed to really believe what you're saying is actually going to happen? And the angel basically says, because my name is Gabriel, and I hang out in heaven with God, so you should believe what I say. And as a matter of fact, Zechariah, since you didn't believe me, now you're going to not be allowed to talk. Till the baby's born. So Gabriel, like, zips his lip because he questioned him. This baby's going to be a big deal, but you don't get to talk again until this baby is born. So here comes Zechariah out of the sanctuary. Biggest news he's ever heard in his life, right? Best thing that's probably ever happened to him. I don't see angels every day. He probably didn't either if he got scared when he saw one. But he comes out. There's people waiting outside. They were out there for a while. They're like, what in the world is this guy doing? Did, did he keel over in there? I don't know what happened. But he comes out. And he can't tell him what happened. But the Bible says he starts giving some kind of message with his hands somehow. And here's what's so interesting. He gets this fantastic news that's not just for him, but it's for his wife Elizabeth too, who we're going to look at here in a second. The Bible says that after his turn of duty is over at the temple, about a week later, he goes home. He's got this news he can't tell to his wife that's about his wife. And he waits a whole week to go home because he finishes his job. I guess that's why God thought he was okay to trust with this. Pretty soon Elizabeth gets pregnant. Elizabeth, remember, is past the normal having a baby kind of age. Happens pretty quickly. But then she goes into hiding for the next five months. In that time, it wasn't like it wasn't like now when you go to the beach and like the really pregnant lady is in a bikini and you're like, well, okay. You're having a baby. Good, go. Good for you. It wasn't like that then. They kind of went into seclusion. They treated it as kind of something that they hid and kept it to themselves. <laughs> so the scene two in this story is, is Mary, Jesus' mom. Mary's on the other end of life. Elizabeth's down this way. She's lived a lot of life. Mary is probably 14 years old. 88, 68, 14, big gap in between those two ages. They're not like living the same pace of life. They're not like hanging out with the same people. But they probably were related. Elizabeth is six months pregnant, and then an angel appears to Mary. Mary is engaged to a man named Joseph. You probably have heard of them before. Around Christmas time, maybe. She's 14 years old. The same angel, Gabriel, appears to Mary. Guess what he says? Don't be afraid. He must be scary looking, guys. He must be like an imposing figure, not like floating like a cherub. He's got to look like something. If every time somebody sees him, he's like, don't be afraid. It's okay. God sent me. I promise it's going to be all right. He basically says, Mary, God thinks you're amazing. Don't be afraid. You're going to have a baby. Here's his name, Jesus. Names must matter. That's really cool that our little guy this morning, Eli Caleb, has a name that matters. Guess what? This baby you're going to have, he's going to be a big deal, big deal too. And it's, this is so cool. Mary asks Gabriel a question, but it doesn't seem to make Gabriel mad the same way Zechariah did. I don't know. 
Mary says, how in the world is this going to happen? And Gabriel gives her all the details. And one of the details that Gabriel gives Mary in this moment is your cousin Elizabeth, she's in the same predicament as you. You have a friend going through the same thing in life that you're about to go through. You're not alone. This tells us two things. It matters to God that we don't go through any situation in life all on our own. It also tells us that probably nobody knew about the miracle that was happening for Elizabeth and Zechariah because they were family. They would have known. You know, like, I'm saying if my 68-year-old-ish relative is having a baby, I'm saying everybody on Facebook is going to know, and I'm going to be on the phone, and, like, people around town are going to be like, have you seen her? She's having a baby. She's five months along. But clearly nobody knew. And Mary, she's a little different, but Mary says, okay. She's braver than I would have been at 14. So this is where we come into the text that we read a few minutes ago. There are three things that I see in this text that I think give us a little bit of insight, a little bit of an idea of what it's like to be a disciple and to be discipled. The sons and daughters series that we're in, it's really this picture that we need each other, that to grow in our life with Christ, to to move along in our relationship with God, to be more of who we were meant to be on this earth for the kingdom of God, we need each other. And I think one of the things that we need is we need to be ready to celebrate each other. Celebrate. We need to be ready. We're going to see that we need to be ready, willing, and able. But the first one is we need to be ready to celebrate each other. The text shows us in around verse verse 46 of Luke chapter 1, it says, Mary hurries to get to Elizabeth. She needed somebody to talk to about this. I mean, when you have big news, I am like the world's worst. Do you want to know the horrible thing I did to my family this weekend? I'm really bad. I'm like, um, you want to know what I really want for Mother's Day? <laughs> Let me tell you guys what would be a good gift for me. I don't like surprises. I don't like to keep anything secret. I just want to share everything I know. I mean, I can keep a secret if it's important. But I'm so, like, not a surprise person and, like, want to know now that I'm, like, telling my family what I want to get for Mother's Day. That's how bad I am at this. Mary needed to tell somebody. And it's interesting that she doesn't just go to the village square and start shouting, I'm about to have the Messiah. You know the one you've been waiting for, that your family's been waiting for? He's about to be right in here, and I'm going to give birth to him. She doesn't do that. She goes to someone that she can trust. Someone she knows will want to hear what she has to say. Someone who an angel has told her is in the same spot she's in. She doesn't have to go through this alone. She doesn't have to handle it and figure it out and navigate it all by herself. But God loves her and loves us today so much that when we're in a situation, there is somebody in our lives somewhere who's ready to celebrate that situation with us. Elizabeth has been in seclusion. Now, can we just really stop for a minute? And pull ourselves out of the fact that this is a Bible story. And just remember these are real people. This woman is, is older. She is advanced in years. And she is pregnant. At this point, she's about six months pregnant. And she has been living with only her husband who cannot speak to her. She's got nobody. She's got nothing. 
We don't even know how Zechariah came home and explained to her what the angel had said. He must have, like, developed a sense of sign language at some point. But this woman has the best thing that's ever happened to her in her life, the thing she has been praying for, because Gabriel said, God has heard your prayers, the thing she's been waiting for, wanting, desiring. She says something in the text like, God has had mercy on me and taken me out of my shame and despair, because in that time, if you were a woman and you couldn't have a baby, you didn't matter. But she's been doing it with no one to talk to. I mean, it's hard enough. Now, my husband is a fantastic listener, but it's not the same as a girl. talking. You know what I mean? Like the best guy conversation is nothing like two girls having a conversation. It's just not the same thing. Not to mention the man cannot say anything back to her. Six months in seclusion with a mute husband. But God sends Mary because we were not designed to live life by ourselves. We were not designed to live the low points by ourselves, but you know what else? We were not designed to live the high points all alone either. Sometimes we're not the greatest at celebrating. Because you have to remember here, what's the story telling us, right? The story is telling us that Elizabeth is going to give birth to John the Baptist. Now, I don't know how much you know about John the Baptist, but when I think of the man, here's the two things that you learn in Sunday school. You learn that he ate locusts and he was really, really hairy. So Elizabeth's like so stoked, right? Like, I'm going to give birth to John the Baptist. I'm finally having this baby. He's going to be important. God said he sent an angel. Here I am pregnant. And then you know who shows up at the door? This 14-year-old little twerp who never even had to worry about getting pregnant. Not only did she not have to worry about getting pregnant, she's carrying the Messiah. Now, you know, I can be a little petty sometimes. But I put myself in her situation and I think... Well, a little bit of would a little bit of me been like, dang, she didn't have to. She didn't even have to try, or wait, or anything. And she gets the Messiah, and I get the one that's going to be hairy with eating locusts and stuff. I mean, yay for you, Mary! Woohoo! Like, I'm old, carrying a baby. You're 14 and cute and stuff. That's just me. Because sometimes we're not super awesome about celebrating the good thing that God is doing in somebody else. Sometimes you're like waiting for the promotion and your friend gets it and you're like, yay, awesome for you. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But really inside you're just a little ticked off and wondering why God gave them what you wanted. But the biblical pattern for this, what what it looks like in in the Bible when we live life together, when we're sons and daughters together, when we disciple each other, is that Elizabeth does not flinch for a second when Mary shows up at her door. You know what actually happens? The moment Elizabeth hears Mary's voice, the Bible says John the Baptist jumps inside of Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is instantly filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the first account in the New Testament we hear of anyone being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you know what? You know why we're meant to celebrate each other, to jump up and down, to be as, as excited or even more excited for somebody else's victory than we are for ourselves? Is because we don't know that the gift that's inside of them is meant to activate something inside of us. Elizabeth is carrying John. She's going to get her miracle, and that's pretty awesome. But she doesn't get the Holy Spirit unless Mary rushes to her and she hears Mary's voice. Because what's inside of Mary is meant to multiply what's inside of Elizabeth. And the wisdom and love 
and care and honor that Elizabeth shows to Mary in that moment by telling her she's blessed and highly favored. And how in the world do I get so honored that the person carrying my Savior would come to me? That honor in Elizabeth changes Mary's life. Because the next thing that happens is that Mary starts to sing a song. Because another part of discipleship is being willing to be vulnerable. That's such a buzzword now, vulnerable. Brene Brown has written all these books about vulnerability. It's hard to say. I kind of stumble over it a little bit because I probably don't really want to be it. So when it comes out of my mouth, it comes out a little funny. Mary makes a choice to show up, to be with somebody. Elizabeth makes a choice to celebrate what's happening inside of Mary. And it allows Mary to let out this song. Now, I don't know how long the song has been inside of Mary. If you read, go back and read in Luke chapter 1, it's kind of long. That's why I didn't read the whole thing. But there's this song of joy and who God is and what's about to happen and the mercy of God and all these beautiful things. And that's inside of Mary. And the Bible doesn't say that Mary starts to sing this song the moment Gabriel leaves. Or she's not singing this song while she's traveling to go see Elizabeth. But she gets in the presence of someone who makes her feel safe, of someone who celebrates her, of someone who's excited to see her and invites her into her home and wants her there and wants her presence and and knows that she needs her. And Elizabeth says, come on, let's do this together. Come into my home. And because of that sacred trust, shared space, let's do this together. Let's, Let's encourage each other. There's a song inside of Mary that comes out. I really believe that there's things inside of each of us that until we get in a safe place with somebody we know we can trust, with someone who's willing to be vulnerable with us, and we get to be vulnerable with them. Sometimes there are dreams inside. I guarantee there are dreams inside of people sitting in this room this morning that you've never voiced to another human being because it's so big, you feel like if you said it, people would think you were insane. Probably a lot of those God put inside of you. And it's not until you allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to go to somebody, to go to an Elizabeth, to go find somebody. If you're an Elizabeth, to welcome in a Mary. That the song, the thing God has put inside of you, can't be released until you find a safe safe space to release it in. Mary is willing to expose her need. You know, I think... If you've grown up in church, or even if you're just a a resilient person like my mom, sometimes our inclination when we face something we've never faced before is, I am going to be tough, I'm going to be strong, I'm going to do this by myself, I don't need anybody's help. And then we make it spiritual, right? Then we make it like, God wants me to be alone and figure this out all on my own, and I'll prove how much of God is inside of me because I won't need any assistance. That's actually not biblical at all. There are times where we're supposed to be in a quiet space, yes. But this is what life lived together looks like. This is the woman carrying the Son of God and the woman carrying the man who will prepare the way for him. And God sent them to each other to walk that out together. We're not meant to be tough enough. We're not meant to be strong enough to do it all by ourselves. We're meant to find somebody that we can be safe with and vulnerable with and open up ourselves. And vulnerable doesn't mean like I'm going to go and gush every weird thing that's inside of me to you. I'm not that. 
Like, I don't want you to know all my weirdness. Like, I shouldn't have told you that I tell my family what to buy me for Mother's Day. That's a little too vulnerable, but it comes out. Vulnerable means there's stuff in me that I need somebody to cheer for. There's stuff in me that I need a safe space to let out. I need an Elizabeth. I need to be a Mary. And sometimes I need to be an Elizabeth and I need to find a Mary to cheer on and make a safe space for. Mary shows up with her need and the miraculous thing is that just her presence there awakens the gift of God that's inside of Elizabeth. Some of you are Elizabeths. And this is men and women. I know Elizabeth is a girl's name, but this is a man and woman works both ways story on Mother's Day. Some of you are Elizabeths and you have amazing things inside of you that you could be giving to someone younger who just needs a little bit of what's inside of you. And, and, but it's when that person, when that Mary shows up, that it awakens in you. The Holy Spirit didn't make, Jesus, make John jump in Elizabeth's belly until Mary shows up. There's something about when we come together that it awakens the gift of God that's inside of us. There are Marys all around us out there who are waiting to show us what's inside of them, aching for someone to celebrate them and open doors to them so they can release a song. Sometimes the song might be full of pain. Sometimes it's full of joy. But we need to ask ourselves, are we making ourselves a safe place for somebody else to come and be celebrated, for somebody else to come and be vulnerable? Elizabeth was content enough and confident enough in her own skin to be able to be a blessing to Mary. Are some of us this morning okay with the fact that she's got the Messiah and she's 14 and cute? But I'm going to be content with the John the Baptist that's inside of me at the age I'm at, who I am today. Because when the two of us come together, miracles are going to be born. In a book called Giddy Up Eunice by Sophie Hudson, she says everybody, no matter their age, craves a safe place with safe people. And then last this morning, we have to be able to give and take. We have to be able to give and take. I just want to read these things. Mary needed to share her news. Elizabeth desperately needed a conversation. Elizabeth is getting old, more and more pregnant as the days pass, and Mary comes in and she's young and less pregnant. She can sweep the floor a lot easier. Let me just tell you that I wanted to have five children my whole life. I don't know if you've noticed, I only have three. Because I am a terrible pregnant woman. Now, you all can giggle. Andre doesn't laugh when I say that. Because he lived through it three times. With Claire, I, was, I threw up multiples of multiples of times a day until one day it switched on a dime and I got a migraine that lasted the whole rest of the pregnancy. With Lucy, you know, I've got Claire, so I don't get to, like, wallow as much in myself as I did with Claire. But one of my favorite stories about being pregnant, now I'm, here I'm being a little vulnerable, is that Claire kept walking over to the closet door and going, bleh, bleh. I was like, what animal show is this child watching? She'd walk over to the closet door, bleh, bleh. It finally dawned on me that this poor child would follow me to the bathroom and watch me throw up so often that when she pretended to be mommy, it looked like pretending to vomit. I'm just not a good, I'm not good at being pregnant. 
Now, perhaps Elizabeth, being advanced in age, at six months pregnant, was ready for someone other than her husband who could not talk to come in and help. They needed to walk through this together. Mary is 14. She's engaged but not yet married. She is carrying the Son of God. She can't trust just anybody with that story. And Elizabeth is advanced in years and six months pregnant. There's a give and take that can happen in that situation that's necessary for both of them to get to the finish line. We need each other. You know what's fascinating is that Elizabeth is older, but she's only six months ahead in the pregnancy game. I think sometimes we think that in order to be of benefit to somebody else, like I can't help you until I'm so perfect at this one thing that you could ask me any question and I would know the answer to it no matter what it was. But the Bible shows us that she's just six months further down the road. She's not an expert at being pregnant. It's her first one, and she's old in doing it. It's not exactly the same as Mary. Mary's young. She's old. But guess what? She's just six months further down the lane. She's done it just a little bit longer. And for some reason, God tells Gabriel about it so that they can be together when they go through it. We don't have to be experts to disciple somebody. We don't have to be experts to bring sons and daughters into our lives and give them what we have. We just need to be a couple steps further down the road. I had a, I had a mom when I, was, when I had Claire. I think I must have been just a crazy woman because Claire cried all the time. Claire cried for the first six months of her life. You know what would stop Claire from crying? Snoop Dogg and Andre going like this with her in the air. For some reason, he would do this for hours and she would stop crying. And he would put loud rap music on. And that would make her stop crying. She was not, listen, look at her. She's cute now. But she was not easy back then. She cried for six months. We were a little strung out. You know, and I was trying to be like cute and like the, you know, Susie. Thank God Instagram didn't exist then. I would not have made it through motherhood. Because if I had had to take pictures of what was going on in my life to make myself and my baby look cute at that point, I would have been the biggest liar on the planet. And I would have made us all insane by trying to pose these little photo shoots. It would have been such bad news. But finally, there was a mom who was a nurse in the church, and she finally said, Care, give her one bottle of formula a night. You need to sleep. She needs more food. Let Andre be the one at midnight to get up with her, give her a bottle. And it changed my world. She wasn't an expert, perfect mom. She's just a mom who'd done it a little longer than me. And that one piece of advice changed everything in our home. We think to give anybody some of the God stuff that's inside of us. We have to be these perfect theologians or know it all or have it all. And all we need is just to be a couple steps ahead of, on the road for somebody. And all we need is to be willing to be the Mary and come and say, do you know just a little bit more about this than I do? Because I don't know it all. And if you know one sentence more than me, you can help me out. Just give her a bottle. Just give her a bottle. Both have been given, both Mary and Elizabeth have been given an absolutely unimaginable task to do for God. Mary is alone, but Elizabeth has a home she can share. 
You know, this story doesn't show us one hero and one person who's falling apart. I think sometimes we think if we need to be discipled or mentored, that means there's something wrong with us. But it really just means we want to be better tomorrow than we are today. Just a little bit. Just one step further down the road. It's not about one person and be, being weak and another being so amazingly strong. It's just give and take. It's just being willing and able to give and take in a relationship to say, you have a little something I need because you've been pregnant a little longer than me and I, my belly's not poking out yet so I can sweep the floor for you. It's just a little bit of give and take, sharing life together, living for a season. We, you know, the choice to be a disciple and the choice to be discipled and, and be a discipler multiplies both of our stories. My story is more meaningful, more important, more vibrant, more alive if I do it with you than if I try to walk it all alone than if I try to do it all by myself. My life matters more when I share it. If I have an experience that I've lived through, you can have hope that you'll make it too. (laughs) But I did stop at three kids. I'm not crazy. So, you know, if you're puking like me, I'll be like, that's it. We unlock miracles inside each other when we come together. We need to hang in there with each other until our miracles are born. There's something about coming together, and this is the end. I'm closing here. There's something about doing it together that matters so much. There's something about meeting somebody who's just done it a little bit longer than you that unlocks something in you, and that you unlock something in them. A year ago on Father's Day, we were here. We had moved here, and we were having lunch at Joyce and Gordon's house with the Greco people. And Cheryl was there. And I will never forget this moment as long as I live. Just having a conversation about who knows what with Cheryl, Dan's mom. And in the midst of that conversation, I can literally hear myself talking like me for the first time in 14 years. I can hear myself sounding like I'm from New Jersey and that being okay. I can hear myself being honest and vulnerable. Not, I'm, not, I'm probably telling her about being down the shore, but I sounded like me because for 14 years I'd been in a place where I held myself in and I tried not to sound too northern and I tried to say things the way they said it in a different way. And it wasn't anything anybody put on me. It was just something I decided I had to do to survive in the place I was in. And one conversation with somebody who was a little further down the road and a little bit like me unlocked me inside of me again. Mary and Elizabeth unlocked something in each other. Holy Spirit for one, a song for the other. And as we go through these next few weeks, sons and daughters, we're going to see that we need each other. We need to be ready to celebrate each other. We need to be willing, I forgot my own point, to be vulnerable. And we need to be able to give and take. This song we're going to sing, we're just going to sing through the chorus. And if you'll just take a moment this morning, you can pull out your connection cards. There's these little what next steps on them. But if you'll just take a quiet moment and just say, Lord, I want to be a son and daughter. I want to be somebody's daughter or son, and I want to be that to somebody else. I want to be a father or mother to somebody else. Will you make me ready? Will you make me willing, Lord? Will you make me able? I'm just going to pray for you, God. Thank you for mothers. Thank you for daughters. Thank you for fathers and sons. Thank you for disciples and disciplers. 
Thank you for people that let us be who we're meant to be. And thank you for the opportunity to pull a song out of somebody else. Would you give us grace today, Lord, to be ready, willing, and able? We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreescc.com.